0: Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me, Hey, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nera, and today I'm joined by Todd Baratz, a certified sex therapist, licensed individual and couples psychotherapist, podcast host, and writer who specializes in sex and relationships. Hey, Todd.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. So I have so mm. many questions
1: asking all the questions.
0: Like I literally, I was, when I was basically stalking you, I was sending my cousin photos of articles because there's just so much I want to talk to you about. So anyway, you started therapy when you were 10, right?
1: Um, Yeah, probably younger. Um, I've been in therapy forever uh, since I was a little kid.
0: What was your first experience like? Because I, I hated um, it when I first went to therapy. You
1: hated it. Yeah, a lot of people had bad experiences as kids. Have you stuck with it?
0: Oh my God, I've, I stayed, I've been in therapy like over 25 years, honestly.
1: That's great. I mean, I'm biased, of course, but um, a lot of people have experiences as young, as young kids in therapy and it was like, it was terrible, never going back again, and they're like scarred for life or they assume that it's going to be, you know, the same experience. Um, so I'm glad that, that you stuck with it. Um I had a good experience, I think. I think I first went to therapy because uh, my teacher said I couldn't focus and they thought I had ADD. And so they brought me to a therapist and I was evaluated. And <clears throat> and then I started ongoing therapy, but it wasn't necessarily bad. They probably could have paused and like give the kid medication, the Ritalin thing. But, um, but that was my initial entryway into therapy and in the mental health world.
0: So it sounds like it was pretty positive then. Or okay.
1: Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was unremarkable. I, you know, in retrospect, I wish they didn't medicate me so early, but that's what we do here in the States with kids. And it just, it happens. So
0: I went on Ritalin when I was five as well. And are we the same person. Did you,
1: did you like it? Yeah. I,
0: I, who knows? Like I, I sometimes think. You still take it? I, I'm on Adderall now. I do need. Yeah, same. But I, I sometimes think like, well, maybe I would have been someone totally different, like maybe out of control, but I don't know, it's 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 weird. And I know that's just the time and what they did. And it-
1: identified. Were you an anxious kid?
0: I could not sit still. You know, I was always making jokes and like just could not sit still and it helped me. It really did. But okay. you know, how long were you on it for?
1: I'm still on it. <laughs> Going going strong. No, I'm taking Adderall, but it's all the same shit. Um, It's a stimulant. Um, Right. uh, It's a bit different. I've tried other stimulants. I've tried to get off. Um, I did not like life off of it. Um, Have you ever tried to go off?
0: Oh yeah, I've I've tried to go back onto Ritalin. It didn't work as well. I cannot not be on Zoloft. When I am not on Zoloft, I, oh. I really am like suicidal. It's really bad. I mean, it's oh amazing. So well, it works. Okay,
1: but well, not don't on, go off it. Then.
0: No, no, I know. You're like, don't do it. You know, it, but it's such a, um, it's hard because you, or me and a lot of people like, you know, you can get, you gain a little weight on it. So it's it's like, well, do you want to be as thin as you want to be in a coffin? Or do you want to be, you know, like five pounds <clears> heavier? It can be like such a mind fuck, but I think when you stay with it, you realize this is such a better way, but it takes time for some people. I think most people with antidepressants for them to really like kick in.
1: Yeah, no, no, it, it does. It takes sometimes two months um, or more or trial and error for a very long time, um, but it sounds like it works for you. So that's great. I took, I took Zola for a long time. I've actually been thinking about going back on it, um, but I don't know, TBD. That's a conversation for my psychiatrist tomorrow.
0: Okay, good. Did you notice any like sexual side effects from it?
1: With Zoloft, you know, I've taken like quite literally every medication. um, Some, it it depends, like at what level. I towards the end, I was taking it at a very low dose. It was practically clinically insignificant, um, and the side effects weren't so terrible. I was taking like twelve point five milligrams, half of twenty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But it like it just it took the edge off. (laughs)
0: Well, that's good. Off of
1: things, um, it was probably a placebo effect. But um, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just not going to take it anymore, and it was fine. Um, but sexual side effects. Um, it took me a lot longer to get off.
0: People say you can have, or doctors, that you can have erectile dysfunction with Zoloft.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can have it with anything, any sort of sexual side effects, and and that's the thing is you don't really know that much about medication and for everybody it it does something different Um, but antidepressants generally will have some kind of sexual side effect um, some more than others so it's important for anybody listening that you um, don't deprioritize your sexuality and if you are having um, a lot of sexual side effects um, like you uh, can't get aroused wet hard or can't get off or or, or, um, talk to your doctor about it uh, because there are other drugs that you can take Um, but yeah it took me a little bit longer to uh, to get off. Um, and that was frustrating. Um, but, but um, so we so is my anxiety. So, um, so I was like, okay, I'll just like go at it a little bit longer. Like, this is really not a big deal. Um, but there were other drugs I took where I was like, I cannot get off. It's been an hour and a half and I'm going to just say no. Um, which is fine. I mean, orgasms aren't necessarily the point of sex, but who doesn't want to have one? Um, so I switched and
0: I think you want to be able to have an orgasm. dude just for anyone listening? This is very strange, but Zoloft actually makes me hornier. So that's
1: great. I was about to ask you. Yeah. Take more.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna take more and just masturbate all day. No, it's just
1: that's great.
0: Normally someone uh normally a doctor will like my doc my therapist I went to New York forever. Sometimes if someone's having really bad, you know, their libido is so long, Zolof, they give you well trend, which can like really ramp you up. So I have to be careful because
1: yeah sometimes the wellbutrin has a hugely energizing effect which is the point for depressive people right um actually I took wellbutrin for for depression once a long time ago but also for smoking cessation which is so weird um I smoked for a very long time and I I took wellbutrin it literally changed the taste
0: I just quit smoking when I went back oh good I wasn't even doesn't it
1: make cigarettes taste so gross so weird right but
0: it's and it they,
1: literally changes the I taste.
0: Can't t- like, no one can tell you why. It's, I don't get it. Like It's it, so weird,
1: right? Them. Yeah.
0: It's bizarre. Yeah.
1: That actually didn't do it for me. I got, like, really bad pneumonia, and I was, like, still smoking, and then I was, like, actually, I think the cigarette's hurting my lungs right now. And, I stopped <laughs> and, and then, I, and that's, like, how I stopped smoking. <laughs> but okay. it's so crazy how it changed the flavor of um, It's of cigarettes. I'm glad you stopped, though. No I'm, offense to people that smoke, but I think it's gross now.
0: Well, they say every time you quit, like it's harder and harder for like, yeah. like when you try again. So anyway, back to you. So you, yes. basically you, at 10, you started, well, I guess you said you're saying you started actually younger.
1: In third grade, whatever that means.
0: So when did you decide <laughs> you wanted to be a therapist?
1: Um, I don't even know. I get asked this question a lot and-
0: Cause you seem so young. Like, I don't know how old you are, but I-
1: I'm 35. Um, How old are you?
0: Um, I'm not going to tell you, honey.
1: Tell me how old you are, show me that ID. Um, Tell me
0: the vaccine card. I'm
1: 35.
0: You look that too.
1: so long. Thank you. Um, I'm 35. Um, when did I want to, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I want to give this answer, you know, when I was little, I always knew, but I think the truth of it is that I was always interested in mental health and psychology, um, but I didn't really have the knowledge to understand professions. <laughs> like, I don't know, I grew up in a family where it was like a family business. Um, my parents didn't go to college. My brothers didn't go to college. So like the idea was that I was just going to join the family business. So I wasn't like, I didn't grow up in an environment that was like, be a therapist. I was like, that's not what I'm going to do. But when I went to college,
0: what business is your family in?
1: Um, they, they own real estate. Um, So it was was like the
0: real estate road. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, but when I went to college uh, and, and graduated undergrad, um, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? What, what am I going to do? Um, and I I wanted to do something in mental health. And a lot of my friends were going to school for therapy. And I was like, wait, that makes so much sense. Like, this is what I want to do. So I think it was really like halfway into undergrad that I, that I was like, I'm going to be a therapist. Um, but I've always been studying psychology and really interested. I just, I don't think I knew um, really what, how that, what that meant for me. <clears throat> I was also in like such survival mode that I was like, I just want to Am I going to be alive? <laughs> like, um, not to sound dramatic, but like, that was the reality. I was like, I it was I, I couldn't dream of my future career, the place that I was in up until like 20, I guess.
0: Wow. When you're te- in the late
1: teens. Yeah. I wasn't like, I'm going to be a therapist at 15. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do lots of cocaine and maybe I'll be alive. Um, yeah. Long story short, <laughs> in college, <laughs> that's when I decided. And I was like, this might be a thing people do. They, they work.
0: And how long have you been doing this?
1: Um, Right when I finished grad school in 2009. 2009, um,
0: 2012, 2012. Like 10, so 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Have you always been this both like sexual couple therapist and the psychologist part or no? Or psycho, I'm like, wait, am I saying it right? Psychotherapist. Um, and because I don't want to offend anyone, I'm like, okay, wait. He's a psychotherapist.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm not offendable. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, psychotherapist, um, psychologist is used for people who have PhDs or PsyDs. I do not. I have a master's degree. Sex has always been a part of the therapy that I do, and um, my therapist that I've been seeing for twenty years um, plus, he is a sex therapist. So I learned that in my own therapy, what was so helpful for me was talking about sex. And so I just figured that was part of therapy, but it's actually not um, that in school, you don't learn anything about sex. So I just kind of took it on my, took it upon myself to uh, make that part of what I did until I, people, when you start working as a therapist, people use this phrases of like, when you put up a shingle, which I don't, which I'm like, I'm this like is the stupidest. Of- yeah. I'm like, is it a shingle? Is that what it is? Maybe I, Maybe I'm completely wrong, but whatever. Like, you don't have a niche, a niche is the word. And I'm like, I don't know. This is just what I do. And then I saw that sex was the thing. So I was like, okay, then I guess I'm a sex therapist because this is what I'm doing anyway. So the answer to your question is um, oh, since I started, I've always been working with sex and sexuality. I'm gay. And so um, sex has just been a part of the part of my own therapy. Um, not because I'm gay, but now I'm, I'm going on and on.
0: So the therapist you've worked with is someone you've been a patient up for 20 years you're saying long time forever
1: yeah long time long time
0: so do you sometimes wish you were your own therapist like or you never do okay I know no because I feel like that'd be weird you're you know that's your profession you're going to someone else but I guess with therapy like you just need to get it out you need to talk you need to talk it out
1: yeah I mean I have many voices in my head that I talk to and that respond um when I'm going through something and I often will respond to myself as I would a client and then I'm like "Ugh, but still I hate my life blah, blah, blah. um
0: doesn't help why do you think we're harder on ourselves than like why do we judge? because for me even like why do we judge ourselves and are so much harder on ourselves than we would a complete stranger or a friend
1: uh, I think we, were, we are our own worst critic, but um, I think it's, it's a lot harder to um, show show compassion when you've never been shown compassion by somebody else. And I, I, I think that most people just haven't really been shown based kindness and empathy. We live in a very cold culture um, where we can aspirationally know that we have to be nice to somebody when they're struggling, but emotionally, we may still have a reflex to criti- be critical of ourselves or... Um, be unkind uh, just because I don't think a lot of people have received that. Um, and so th- it's then hard for people to give that to themselves.
0: Wow. Maybe I need to start therapy with you. <laughs> I really want to get to so many of the sex questions. I'm trying to just, you know, refrain, refrain. So I have, I do want to talk about something. Your most recent post said, don't play hard to get. Yeah. Now I'm sorry, but I think that is maybe for the gays. Cause I don't think that's for straight people. Why no. do you think that? No, not with certain men. I feel like if you are too like I read that whole thing, I was like, wow, that would be amazing. But I just feel like in the straight world, it's not it, you you have to play hard to get. The woman has to play hard to get. You can't make it too easy for the guy. When it's no, too easy, guys are just, you know, you're
1: don't, ready to go. no no, That's don't great. do that. No. No, I I I think it goes for any kind of relationship, friend family member, lover, partner. If you wanna connect with somebody, playing hard to get is disconnecting. That's a disconnection. You're withdrawing, right? So playing hard to get is a distance. You're distancing yourself from someone else. It's not about gender. It's not about sexuality. It's just about intimacy. That when you create distance, whether it's playing hard to get or lying about, you know, who you really are and showing this highlight reel or um, saying you're busy when you're not, Um, you're withdrawing. You're withdrawing from the relationship, which is a disconnection. Um, And there's some kind of power control, self-preservation, something going on there for you. So um, it's really not an aspect um, that helps build connection. Um, It's not something you wanna do, don't do it. All
0: right, I'm getting better at it. I've been getting better at it. If
1: you actually like the person and if you want a relationship with them. It also, it's like, you know, it really creates a lot of insecurity. And I think it comes it comes from a place of insecurity too. No, um, so I not
0: wanting to get hurt, but that hit me hard when you when you said I think it was like the second slide or I'm talking about this post in at a carousel he just posted. You said it it actually doing that creates more anxiety, more insecurity, more like well I don't know what's going on when you play the like oh I'm busy tonight or, but I think it's I think a lot of women feel still feel like they can't be the ones to reach out. First. even if you're talking or dating someone like they want the man just because that's our gender roles that are so ancient but I do think some women and I'm including myself you know like can get 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 in that pattern
1: yeah I mean because it's ingrained and it's about gender um, but it's not about relationships or what it means to form a close connection with somebody it's about how um, you learn based on your identity your gender identity and other cultural identities, um, your role and the power that you have in the context of relationship.
0: Um, my friend wants to know why are gay men so toxic?
1: Well, that's a big generalization.
0: I know, but meanwhile, he's, he's a gay man. I don't, I mean, it is a
1: generalization,
0: but I think a lot of, actually a lot of, some of my closest friends who are gay and male and in their thirties, I think do have a hard time in the big cities you know, yeah, what I mean? are
1: they single? Do they want to, do they do want to want me? Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> think, I think people can be toxic. I mean, also what just mean? kind
0: of, I'm not like, I'm not saying that generalization at all. Cause I like, you could oh, say they're yeah, yeah. toxic, you know, like whatever.
1: Oh, I would never, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I mean, look, people are toxic. Relationships are scary. People mistreat other people. People are very relationally unskilled. Um, and not because they're, and, and not because they're bad people. And I don't think it's because they're toxic either. I just, you know, how can we expect anyone to be relationally healthy or um, kind and compassionate all the time if they've quite literally not received any kindness ever, not received any compassion, not received any relational education or guidance other than the obs- observations they have of their parents or um, celebrities or um, social media or, or, or. Um, So, you know, I think oftentimes people are assholes um, and they're hurting and they hurt other people. And that's not an excuse, but um, there's a lot more meaning than just saying, you know, people are toxic. They're toxic, you know, I think because they're hurting. Um, And um, then there are some people that are just, you know, really are limited and lacking capacity. And that's different. Um, But um, I think that just many of us are overwhelmed and relationally unskilled and um, present as toxic or very limited because of that. That doesn't mean though, that you have to like give these people that are mistreating you so many different chances. I mean, you can seek to distance and have boundaries, but you know, I, I don't know if I would say that people are just all, everyone is so toxic.
0: No, I agree, I agree. I think it's, I, but I do also, I do think like once someone shows you a color, they'll show it to you again, of something like in a relationship.
1: Yeah. The red, like a red. People are generally consistent in their behaviors. Um, But it's also to say that, you know, how we respond to people's behaviors, whether they're uh, mistreating us or we just don't like it, how we respond to it also shapes and elicits the behaviors that we're saying we don't like um, in terms of um, further eliciting the reactions that we really don't like. Um, regardless of, you're not talking about toxic, just like if someone's not texting us back and we don't text them first, you know, maybe they think we're not texting. You know, in terms of the way we engage with the behaviors we dislike, that plays a role in how those behaviors continue to come towards us. So we, boundaries, um, communication, conversations, asking for more prompting, um, et cetera, is really important too, when thinking about why people are the way they are, is how we are with them.
0: It's true if you're, oh, I'm gonna do this, then you are shutting yourself off to that person. Like yeah. what you're saying. If you don't, they don't. you don't hear from them, but then you're not texting them and then it just becomes a whole game. Do you think COVID though, it's COVID, uh, the pandemic has made a lot of relationships stronger, but then it's made a lot of people break up or fall apart. But at the same time, I think it's made people kind of, you know, yearn for companionship and yearn for a relationship.
1: Totally, yeah not you. Um, what do you mean not me? No, I, I want a relationship. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to be, I'm sick of being single. Um, no, I mean, COVID, I see a bunch of couples and some of the couples have thrived. I don't know if I would say thrive, but they've made it through and, and some have not. What it's, do you think it's it's been really makes, hard. from your
0: clients? Why didn't they make it?
1: Um, they had, I mean, so many different reasons, but one, I mean, COVID presented a ton of um, stressors um, just fundamentally. Um, and so if people didn't have the skills, the patience, the finances, the space, the geography. Um, you know that's something that can overwhelm a relationship, even in non-COVID times. If you go through any kind of loss, that puts a strain on a relationship. COVID created multiple losses: um, some identity loss, some geographical loss, some job loss, some relational losses, family loss, blah blah. blah. Um, so that strains and stresses a relationship and puts it in a vulnerable place. Um, also, I think people had very very busy lives. Um, and even if not busy, you know, they were sectioned off in ways that, um, complemented their relationship. Um, but then when you take away all of that external, um, those external places and external identities, um, that's another huge stress on a relationship, um, for that, that many relationships weren't able to sustain over.
0: That's a good point. Like people that can't if their part of their relationship was going out, or even their own identity was like being social, this is me, scene, yeah, really hard, really hard. Yeah. So we need to get, um, yeah.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say, and and some couples, you know, they were forced to work through some of the issues they were ignoring through their busyness, um, and they couldn't.
0: Yeah, that's true. I want to talk about libido. Sure. You were talking, be there was, I think it was in newsweek. You were talking about foods that help your libido. Is it different for men and women or is it the same?
1: In Newsweek? Yeah, here. <laughs> I don't even know. I have to Google this. No, um, <laughs> I think, look, I think, I think if you eat healthy, that's that's what you wanna aim towards. And by eating healthy, you know, I just mean, um, what do I even mean? I don't even remember what I wrote in that. What did I say?
0: Haven't you heard the myth that like men should eat pineapple so their semen
1: tastes better? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is some study that could validate that, but, um, you know, everything is gonna have an impact.
0: I feel like this was a, like, I think this was recent too. It's in my notes of, to make things that, you know, they're spicing up or your heart's feeding faster. I mean, obviously it's like oysters, da da da. but you're no. just going have a healthy diet.
1: Yeah, because we're talking about blood pressure. We're talking about um, things like that, testosterone hormones. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, diabetes, for example, um, you know, there's a lot of, with diabetes, um, there's a lot of, um, erectile dysfunction, there's a lot of sexual dysfunctions. Um, and so, you know, that plays into diet, kidney function, um, and just general bodily functions. So, you know, you, you want to focus on feeding your body food that can nourish um, that's nourishing. Um, I, there, there's no like aphrodisiac. I'm, I'm sure that there are plenty of blog posts about aphrodisiacs and things to eat, um, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. But, um, you know, I think all of that stuff is just a marketing ploy. Um, I think the thing here is we want to take care of our bodies. I'm not saying don't eat fried chicken or French fries. I mean, I do all the time, but you know, you want to feed it the nutrients that it needs.
0: This came up in my research and now I'm like, okay, I need to know more about this. Prostate milking, what could somebody do if they wanna learn? Cause now I'm like, I know about the perineum, but now uh-huh. I'm literally like, wait, there's a prostate milking. It's very hard for me cause I have very long nails. So yeah, I would just want you to just give like a short 411.
1: Well, I mean, prostate milking is not my uh, realm of expertise. Um, but I think really for people that want to explore prostate play, um, this is something for you, um, where you massage your prostate um, until you orgasm.
0: I don't think a lot of people know what like, where their prostate, like probably men, is.
1: It's the little kind of like almondy pencil eraser, not pencil, like an almond. It's about the size of an almond. If you put your finger in and you kind of do this like come here thing, you're, you'll feel it. And so um, some men have incredibly sensitive prostates and some don't. You know, I think, again, I... I mean, look, I think it's hot for some people and it's something if you want to explore. But again, I think kind of it's kind of like the squirting phenomenon. I think it's a a huge marketing ploy um, to sell products and advice. And
0: that's a bit much. They're always trying to become a thing. And I don't
1: it's not it's not necessary if you want to have fun, if you want to have pleasure, if you want to get off, if you want to connect, if you want to fuck, whatever. I mean, I'm not saying don't, but it's just there's a lot of hype like squirting and and, and prostate milking and watermelon flavored lube and you know, all this stuff, which is all great. I'm not saying- Wait, Watermelon like, please do. or water monk? Yeah,
0: you can get- Oh, watermelon. I thought
1: water monk and I was like, hmm. I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, there's just all sorts of stuff. And, and, but I think explore, do, um, be adventurous, but it's not necessary.
0: But you do think like, I think you you have spoken a lot about, which I think is really healthy is masturbating. And how, and yes. to keep uh, just healthy libido because it I think it can really help your mind mentally, just staying in a good place. I feel like once it's gone, you can just go down, even get more depressed, you know?
1: Yeah, masturbation is really important. Um, I agree. Good. I, I mean, I, I, and what's interesting though is that everybody has a different reaction to masturbation that, you know, I think now it's become really popular. I have clients that, I see that, feel guilty about the duration of which they masturbate, the lack of frequency, the frequency, what they masturbate to, who, when, where, why, that there's a lot of shame wrapped up in masturbation in terms of pleasure. And that's because there's a lot of sexual shame and a lot of sexual fear. But masturbation is literally like taking a hot shower. Um, We would not criticize ourselves because we took a long hot shower. We would not criticize ourselves if we used a special shampoo in the shower because we like the flavor, the smell, um, et et cetera, et cetera. Um, but because masturbation is sexual and connected to sexual pleasure, it's, it can become really challenging for people to um, let go of the shame. Um, so it's something just important that people understand that masturbation is just another way of experiencing pleasure, like eating or like taking a shower or a bubble bath or getting a massage or, or or, um, and it's really helpful uh, in terms of experiencing pleasure and joy, excitement, um, connecting with your body Um, you know, I don't think anyone would ever criticize themselves for going to a long yoga class. And I don't see masturbation as any different.
0: Um, but okay. I won't get into the, that'll have to be another show. I have all these other questions about sexual stuff that I wanted your opinion on, but
1: what I will say about masturbation now is that it's important because it's pleasure and self-care and, 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 but it's also important for partnered pleasure for partnered play, um, and most partnered sexual experiences, because if you don't know, um, how to please your body, it's going to be really hard for somebody else to guess. And it's going to be even harder for you to tell um, them, this is what I like, this is how I want it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, you're really going to want to learn how to give yourself pleasure, um, which is both an emotional and psychological experience as well. It's important that I think people struggle with too. Um, and also consider masturbating with a partner. Um, it can be really hot. It can be really informative and instructive um and really easy to do it can be a quick thing if you don't have the time or if you don't want to be touched um but something really good to do with partners that i don't think many people do which i'm always shocked and i ask uh, and I, can, know, I,
0: I think it's really hot too and i and i am always yeah. shocked as well that many people are couples that i know they're like oh, i would never do that in front of my husband and i'm and i'm thinking to myself yeah oh, why, maybe they would learn something right
1: right they would yeah, um, but for many people, they they're experiencing a lot of shame. They learn that masturbation is something to do in private.
0: Well, I mean, do it both. Just I've asked yes, private public.
1: Are you masturbating with your partners?
0: Uh, are you masturbating? I mean, my last partner, I did, but I I, I just think I think masturbating, it's just a, for me, it's like a sense. It it helps release stress. Like that's it the. Is, and yeah. Yes, it feels good, but like if it's something that you just need to, I think is, then that's good for your brain and your mental well-being.
1: Agree. Yeah. That's good for stress relief.
0: Exactly. So we always end with five questions. Are you ready? Oh. Uh
1: uh-huh.
0: They're not, they're, they're like, you know, it's kind of like that, I forget his name, that interviewer of like the actor's studio. And he always asked, like, you know, he had the cards, he passed away.
1: You sure. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It. I forget his name, but I I can hear you his voice. What? Are you going to do it? Are you <laughs> going to do it in his voice?
0: <laughs> no, I can't think of his voice. He would always be yeah. like, when you get to the gates, what do you want God to say? Would,
1: right. So yeah. you could do it.
0: All right. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll add that one for you. What do you do for a mental break? Masturbate? Me? Yeah.
1: What do you do yeah.
0: Like if you want to just, you know, turn your mind off.
1: Master- yeah. I'll say masturbate. Okay. Yeah. I jerk off.
0: When is the last time you cried?
1: Uh, I just, I was just on a plane, so the planes always get it for me on my way to the airport in the Uber and on the plane.
0: That's so funny. I get really emotional on a plane as well. What's something?
1: everyone does? I'm a Virgo, but everyone gets emotional on a plane. It's a transition. They do? Yeah, it's a thing.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. What are you currently reading? Or are these just props Like he has a bunch of books in the back? What are you currently reading?
1: A book by Ian Kerner. It's his new book and it is called, tell me about the first time you had sex.
0: Oh, is that, and is that what it's about or is that sort of just uh, catching? Um,
1: I just got it, I haven't started yet, but yes, he's a sex therapist and he writes about sex. He's a great writer.
0: Okay, okay, great. Um, What is the best and worst advice you've been given?
1: Um, The best advice, um, you will only feel comfortable once you start doing whatever it is that you feel uncomfortable doing. Worst advice, I don't even know, I mean, I had a supervisor once that told me to use reverse psychology on my clients and I was like, absolutely not, this is the worst advice. Ever. I mean, that was pain, It was it's painful to even repeat that one would even suggest that. Reverse psychology, are you kidding me?
0: If people that don't oh, know, I mean, reverse psychology. Reverse
1: psychology is like, if I had a client and they were asking me if I wanted them to masturbate and I told them don't masturbate, that's reverse psychology. Yeah. <laughs> worst that's, advice ever, but that's that more like-
0: Advice, yeah. What Instagram account do you find uplifting, if any?
1: Uplifting.
0: Hmm. You feel good once you look. You know.
1: Um, I follow so many plastic surgery Instagrams. Does that count? No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> uplifting to you. I mean,
1: I don't really look at uplifting accounts. I look at a lot of the. I mean, I, I, a lot of. I follow a lot of drag queens, um, which I love.
0: RuPaul. Who's your favorite? Yeah.
1: I I like them all. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I can't can't think of who my favorite is. I really like Raven, um, but she doesn't really post it on Instagram. But she's one of my faves. She-
0: Who's the one that had the song? Your makeup is terrible, terrible, terrible.
1: Uh,
0: do you know. I that have one?
1: No idea. I don't know. But you should she do that. She
0: was on RuPaul's because my friend went to some drive-in concert. And she changed it to 2020 is terrible, terrible. And she was like, go around to the
1: car <laughs> Well, that would be accurate.
0: No, she was amazing. I don't know. She's, she's from Drag I don't know from what country. I like. I feel like now there's so many, you know, like Canada, this. I had there, no idea. It's, it's just... a lot.
1: Yeah. This, it's from every country, which is great. Drag is blowing up.
0: Okay. When you get to the pearly gates, what do you want God to say? If heaven um, exists, that's what you always said. If heaven, exists,
1: to say, if
0: heaven exists when you get to the pearly gates, what do you want God to say?
1: Oh my God, I have absolutely no idea. Um, <laughs> the first, I don't know.
0: Come on in, what you do it, off, like <laughs> you. Yeah,
1: like come in, there's a here's a bunch of people to have sex with that are all waiting for <laughs> you. I don't know. No, actually the first thought that came to my mind was something about a dumpling. I, it's all I could think about.
0: Oh, yum. Yeah. I know, I'm hungry something right. about food all right something about food mm-hmm.
1: um, what would you what do you what would you want i
0: mean i would want him to say you made it okay like you got here i mean i grew up very strict catholic so okay i had a lot of shame for a long time about masturbating or liking sex or you know so you i must
1: have put a lot of hard work to work through that catholics have a lot of shame
0: they do they, yeah. I, when I was, we, I just saw my cousin the, the last week, who was like the gay male version of me. And he said, I was so pure that I thought if people didn't have kids, they never had sex. Like I didn't even know comments <laughs> existed as a child. Like, <sighs> so just everything was, you know, Jesus died for your sins. I mean, it was, it took a while. Had mm-hmm. been a problem watching a lot of porn. It's It's been a real roller coaster. Now I feel mm-hmm. fine, but you know, you can go down paths that are not healthy.
1: If you never learn anything different, then that's, that's all you know.
0: Absolutely, so I think it's about, you know, balance with everything. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. A big shout out to Todd Baratz for joining me. We're so thrilled to have you. And where can our listeners find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram at yourdiagnonsense, uh, or you can go to my website, toddsbarats.com.
0: And did you come out with, come up with that phrase? Cause it's so
1: great. Uh, No, I wish I did. It was, it's from Girl Interrupted. And then my friend, my friend gave me the name. She was like, oh my God, you should do that. And then I said, that's
0: kind of genius. I mean, it's, and do you all your own? It's when
1: Angelina, she says to Brittany Murphy, what's your dag nonsense?
0: I'm going to have to rewatch the movie. It used to
1: be one of my favorite movies. Wow. So good.
0: And you do all, do you do all your artwork? Yeah. I mean, the concepts. and of it. Right. Well, you're a Virgo. Yeah. That's all, folks. Be sure to subscribe to Ben Better HBU. We can be found on Apple and Spotify. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, BBHBU. Slide into our DMs with your questions and or comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.